Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this opportunity to talk again about you and about the world. And Lord, I need your strength and your power and your clarity right now to be able to express what you would have me to express. Lord, may I lift up Jesus Christ. And I just ask that you enable these people to be awake and alert. And may the Holy Spirit just totally make this message applicable to every heart here, including my own. Cut our hearts open, God, for your glory. Please take out of our chest our hearts of stone and put in its place a heart of flesh, God. We just beg you for your Holy Spirit. Guide and bless this talk, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> So world problems in God's people, human rights. Mindy, go to the hospital. Something keeps impressing me. Mindy, go to the hospital. To be honest, I really don't want to. I'm in Malawi, Africa at Malamulo Hospital. I have just trudged up the hill about a half mile to my house. I am comfortable. I don't want to go back down the hill. I'm lazy. Mindy, go to the hospital. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Back down the hill I go. I walk into the female ward of the hospital. This is an example of a ward. It's desolate. But I hear someone gasping for air. I rush into a room and I see a young woman about my age being cradled in her mother's arms. The mother is attempting to get her daughter to breathe with every ounce of her being. Not being a medical professional, I have absolutely no idea what to do. I think that the young woman might be having an asthma attack or something. But what I do know is that we need to pray. And we don't just need to pray, we need to pray now now. That's what they say in Malawi, which means right now. I asked them in Chichewa, and this is the only few words of Chichewa I know, if they want to pray. The young woman, she's gasping for air, and she nods, yes, yes, let's pray. We pray. And I distinctly remember praying in this prayer that this young woman accepts Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. I distinctly remember this. I say amen, and I run out of the room trying to find a doctor or a nurse. Nobody is around. Absolutely nobody. 20 seconds later, I am back by the woman's bedside. Her breathing has stopped. She's no longer gasping for air. She's dead. Her mother arches her head back and begins to wail. Family members around the bed begin wailing as well. It's like a death chant. I step back into the corner in disbelief. I have never seen anybody die before. I hear a few days later that this woman should not have died. The lab was incredibly slow getting back her lab results. With an appropriate diagnosis from the lab results, this death could have been prevented. What a tragedy. But praise the Lord that I listened to his impression and actually went down there and prayed with her seconds before she died. What a tragedy. 
But this is not an isolated incidence. Lack of proper health care is a major issue in the world today. But is access to health care, and I'm not talking about health insurance, is it a basic human right? What are human rights? And does the church have any role to play in these issues? So human rights defined, here is just a simple definition. The conditions and expectations to which every person, by virtue of his or her existence as a human being, is entitled. So basically, human rights are simply that, human rights. In the world today, we hear about human rights. We hear the word human rights human rights violations, human rights abuses, frequently on the television news, in magazines, in newspapers, and in the international political arena. When the phrase is uttered, human rights, we might think of the genocide that's occurring right now in Darfur, Sudan. We might think of child soldiers in Uganda, human trafficking in Thailand with young children being sold as sex slaves. This is happening in our world right now. But where did human rights phraseology come from? Actually, the issues surrounding human rights steadily gained in importance following the genocide that occurred in World War II. Where everyone? The Holocaust in Nazi Germany. Shortly after World War II, Eleanor Roosevelt spearheaded a drive to create something called the Universal Declaration of Human Rights with the hopeful intention of creating a Magna Carta, if you will, for human rights that the world would abide by. Thus, she hoped, and the other diplomats, to avert another world war and the Holocaust. Not again, not again. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights was slated to be a part of the United Nations, an organization that was slated to promote world peace around the world. For months, Eleanor Roosevelt and her team of dedicated diplomats from around the world came up with a listing of what they deemed to be universal rights. Let's picture this. Let's say that we take 30 people here today, maybe there's about 30, and we have to sit down and hammer out what are human rights. Do you think that that would be difficult? What do you include? What do you not include? They actually came up with 30 different articles, and let me just show you six. Just six, don't worry. Number one, no one should be subjected to torture or to cruel and unusual punishment. Amen? Amen. No one shall be subjected to arbitrary arrest, detention, or exile. So due process of law. Everyone has a right to a nationality. You might think, why is this important? But being able to be a citizen of a country is a right. Everyone, and this is important for Seventh-day Adventists, has a right to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. Amen? Amen? Everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of himself and of his family. And a sixth, everyone has the right to what, everybody? Education. Education. Amen? Everyone has the right to education. So these are just a smattering of the noble rights that are delineated in this universal declaration. 
So from the creation of the Universal Declaration, which was in 1948, to today, advocacy of human rights has picked up steam. For example, in the last two decades alone, numerous non-governmental organizations, NGOs, such as Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, just to name a few, have formed solely for the purpose of advocating human rights. I, God totally worked it out, and it's an interesting story how this happened, but he worked it out so that I could do an internship at the United Nations several years ago in New York City for the Adventist Church. What an amazing blessing from God. During my time at the United Nations, I went to numerous meetings by countries and NGOs around the world. My heart was deeply burdened as I heard of little girls being kidnapped. Little girls, five, six-year-old, being kidnapped and put into prostitution. Child soldiers being forced to participate in combat, like six, seven years old. Torture of those who held differing political views. I won't say what country, but I saw videos of people's heads and hands and different things chopped off. Horrible, horrible what's going on in the world today. The world of NGOs and advocacy groups at the United Nations cared deeply about these atrocities, human rights atrocities. I suggest to you, in a sense, it's almost become a secular religion a secular religion with the United Nations system. But my question for you guys today, members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is this. Do we care? Do we really care? This is a picture of World Humanitarian Day. Do we care? Are we so enmeshed in our Saturday night plans the next exciting movie that is coming out, the latest sports game, the latest get together with our friends, that we forget that many of our fellow human beings around the world lack basic human rights? As Christians, do we care? Individually and corporately as a church, should we care? Is this our place? The church says yes, actually. The church says yes. I am very proud of this statement that the church issued. Praise the Lord. It was in November 17, 1998, the 50th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And it says this, from its very inception in the middle of the 19th century, the Seventh-day Adventist Church has supported human rights. Amen? Amen? So we support human rights, specifically in promoting religious freedom, Family, life, what everybody? Education. What next? Health. So we have education and health, mutual assistance, and meeting crying human need. Seventh-day Adventists affirm the dignity of the human person created in the image of God. Amen? Amen. I am so thankful that our church has publicly affirmed the importance of human rights. I am so thankful for the Seventh-day Adventist church in general. Amen? Amen. And I am here this afternoon to wholeheartedly advocate that our church should, including the members individually and corporately, should be even more involved in issues of human rights. Why? Why, you might ask? Help to help others. So that we can meet people's temporal needs, 
their immediate needs with the purpose of pointing them to the ultimate, the most essential human right. What do you think this is? A relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a quintessential human right. If the secular world is excited about human rights, we should be even more so. Amen? Amen. Particularly in regard to health and education. But I'm not limiting it to that, but this is what I'm going to focus on for today's topic. Why, you might ask? Let's follow the example of Jesus Christ. Aren't we supposed to do that as Christians? Absolutely. So let's look at some texts. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee doing what? Teaching. Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and doing what? Healing. Healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Could you imagine if there was an individual today that went into a hospital and just was healing, 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 bed by bed? Would that not be amazing? Ah, yeah. So what evidence does Matthew give for this? Does he just make this statement and just, you know, whatever, not back it up with evidence? Absolutely, he backs it up. Right after this, you have Matthew 5 to 7. What happens there? The Sermon on the Mount. So we see all of Jesus' beautiful teachings. And then in Matthew 8 and 9, we have several miracles of healing that occurred. So he issues a statement. He gives examples of teaching. He gives examples of healing. And then in Matthew 9, 35, he says it again. It's like a, a sandwich. I heard Don McIntosh one time call this like a burger. <laughs> Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages doing what? Teaching. teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and doing what? Healing, healing every disease, every disease among the people. Amen? Amen? So we see here that Jesus is the quintessential educator. He's the quintessential health care provider. As Christians, should we follow his example of teaching and providing health care today? What do you think, everyone? Yes or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Mindy, you might say, aren't we in the church actually already doing this? Don't we have the second largest education and health system in the world after the Roman Catholic Church? <coughs> I would have to say, yes, we do. What a wonderful education system we have that operates in numerous countries around the world. We have numerous clinics and hospitals in various countries, such as Pakistan, India, Australia, Malawi, Ethiopia, Ecuador, etc. But can we do more? Amen, we can do more. There are billions of people in the world today who are searching for the ultimate human right, Jesus Christ. And health and education are amazing tools to serve such individuals, forming relationships that can potentially last for eternity. So let's first look at health care. Let's look at health care. The Seventh-day Adventist Church actually operates 175 hospitals around the world and 300 clinics. 
However, the 70 hospitals that we have in developing countries are definitely lacking from resources. And let me give you some healthcare statistics. In the United States, we have 247 doctors per 100,000 people, okay? So 247. In Ethiopia, there's only three. Three doctors per, per 100,000 people. Shocking. Three. In Belgium, the highest, there's 449. So Belgium is one of the highest, U.S., 247, Ethiopia, three. So let's bring someone up here who is a little bit more qualified to talk about the healthcare subject than me. So if you could come up, I'd greatly appreciate it. So what is your name and your occupation? Uh, Larry Ron, and I'm a physician. How do I know you? I'm your father. <laughs> <laughs> so what kinds of critical equipment and resources would Adventist hospitals in the developing world lack? Uh, it depends on the hospital. Uh, as Mindy mentioned, there are a number of hospitals that are understaffed now that don't have the equipment and supplies. Uh, our churches recognize that, and they formed, formed a group called Adventist Health International that is addressing to try to turn around some of the hospitals which are most critical uh, in need, including one in, one in Malawi, one in Ethiopia, uh, one in Haiti, uh, other places. Recently, you obtained a donation of medical equipment. What equipment did you receive, and what kind of impact will this equipment make? Uh, God led in this. Um, I just got to tell you this little story. I had a guy in my office. Uh, he had come in for a tick bite, just a tick bite. And we started talking. And I told him I was interested in missions. He said he was an ultrasound salesman. I said, great. If you ever have a spare ultrasound machine, let me know. I'd love to have it. So he calls about two weeks later, and, and he says, I have an ultrasound machine for you. And he brought me the ultrasound machine, uh, and it was great. And then about two weeks later, he says, you want five more? And I said, sure. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do with them, but he said, yeah, five more. And he turns out he was the regional representative of an ultrasound manufacturer. And they were, they were redoing their training center, and they were going to throw these away. And these were worth, all total, about $50,000. Uh, immediately after that, I contacted Adventist Health International, and all the machines were just spoken for like that. Um, there's a, a young uh, lady doctor and her husband that are going to start a, a hospital in South Cameroon. They're taking two. Uh, if you all heard of Dr. Appel and, and Chad in southern Chad, he's way out in the boonies. Uh, he's getting one. Um, one's going to Malamulo. One's going to Haiti. So these are going to be used. They're going to make a tremendous difference. It'll mainly be used in maternal care, uh, ultrasound, which everybody takes for granted here. I mean, nowadays when ladies have an ultrasound here, it's 3D and living color, and you have a video of it. These are older machines, grayscale, but they'll be able to see the baby and see problems. Can ultrasound machines help or save people's lives even? Of course. Yeah, I mean, if, if you can diagnose the problem early, you can uh, help them. Uh, when people come in with trauma, you can use an ultrasound machine and see if they're bleeding internally. So they will definitely save lives and be a blessing. So you have provided health care in places like Haiti to impoverished people. How does health care enable you to form relationships with the people that you otherwise wouldn't be able to? 
healthcare is a tool which you know of course our church has always believed in and, and Ellen White says is the right arm of the message we have to meet people's physical needs first we have to have to be fed they have to be healthy they can't listen to the gospel if they're running a fever 103 and dying of cerebral malaria uh, you meet their physical needs and then after you meet their physical needs they realize that you love and care for them and then they will receive receive the gospel do you think that the church should do more in the issue of health care, and how so? Of course we need to do more, and that's why I'm so thankful that all of y'all, the younger folks, are here today and want to dedicate your life to, to serving the Lord. There's tremendous needs in every country, um, and we all need to try to do what we can to help help these needs in other countries. I mean, health care is non-existent in a lot of places. As, as Mindy mentioned, the young girl dying right before her eyes. Uh, that happens every day. Every time we go on a mission trip, uh, we go to Haiti a lot. If we, When we go to Haiti, every time we go, if we hadn't have been there, there was at least one person almost every time that would have died if they hadn't have received something from us. Can you actually tell us the story of Esmalan real fast? Okay, this is, this is a miracle story. Uh, we were in Haiti. Uh, it was Friday afternoon. We'd seen about 300 people that day in a big clinic. Uh, here comes this little 10-year-old year, ten year old girl coming staggering up, held between two other girls, uh, come to our clinic. And, and you could just tell by looking at her that she was in acute respiratory distress, didn't know what was going on, thought she had pneumonia. Uh, we couldn't handle her there. We took her to the hospital. The hospitals in Haiti are much different than the United States. We had to buy the x-ray film before we could get an x-ray of her done. Uh, got an x-ray done, and by that, well, later on, we got the history. She was a Restovic, which in Haiti is a child slave. She was sold by her family to be a yard servant for this family, uh, and someone had given on a dare her to drink some unknown liquid. She drank the liquid. It was Clorox. It perforated a hole in her esophagus. She had a hole in her esophagus. She had an, an abscess on one side of her lung. She had pneumonia on the other. Um, in the United States, in a pediatric intensive care unit, she would have had a 90% mortality. Uh, that night in this little tiny hospital, which wasn't much of all, wasn't much of a hospital, we prayed and asked the Lord to, to spare her life and to give her a chance, and God performed a miracle. A week later, she walked out without any side effect. It was all his doing. I mean, there was nothing that we could do except pray for, which we did all night. But God healed her and allowed her to live. Amen. Thank you, Father. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think this quote sums it up nicely. It's from Manuscript 55, 1901. Medical missionary work brings humanity the gospel of release from what? Suffering. Suffering. It is the pioneer work of the gospel. It is the gospel practice. It is what? Compassion. The compassion of Christ revealed. Of this work, there is a great need, and the world is open for it. God grant the importance of medical missionary work shall be understood, and that what should happen? New fields. New fields may be immediately entered. Amen? Amen? This is an exciting charge that I hope that maybe some of you guys in this room will step up to the plate to, or maybe people that will be listening to this later on. Let's look at another area. Education. This is actually a picture from one of my classes at Atlantic Union College. We see a bright bunch of students there. So I suggest to you that education is a second fundamental human right. 
The Seventh-day Adventist Church actually operates more than 5,600 schools in 145 countries around the world. Amen? Amen? 145 countries. Wow. What an amazing outreach to over a million students in our schools worldwide. Adventist Christian education is critical, especially as it lifts up the Word of God as the primary educational text. There is nothing more important than lifting up the Word of God. However, many Adventist schools that exist simply do not have adequate resources. Let me give you an example. When I was in Malawi, I visited the local elementary school there. And the school did not have electricity. It did not have computers. It didn't have any books, actually. It didn't have bathrooms. And the teachers were hardly getting paid at all. And this is not a unique example. However, this school is better than nothing, amen? And there are numerous parts of the world where there actually is no Adventist educational presence. And I was supposed to interview an individual. He actually works here at Southern, Robert Montag, about a school that he started in India. But he has not made it here yet. So if you ever want to talk about this school in India and learn more about it, please contact him. It's an interesting concept that he has going on there. So education is certainly a basic human right. And Christian education is important work indeed. And here is another important quote about education. The education and training of the youth is an important and solemn work. The great object to be secured should be the proper development of character that the individual may be fitted to discharge the duties of the present life and to enter where? Upon the future immortal life. So this is the end result, is to enable people to learn more about Jesus Christ through Adventist education. And let me tell you, Seventh-day Adventist education does bear fruit. And I think that this actually happened a couple weeks ago because I'm going to be talking about this subject. Um, like two or three weeks ago, I actually went to the College Dell Church for the worship service there. This was the day that Mariah was there. And when I first got there, I struck up a conversation with a middle-aged woman. And she was a history teacher. And I asked her about what she did, her children. Um, and then she divulged during our talk together that she had actually joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church two years before. I was like, why? What happened? What enabled you to join the Seventh-day Adventist Church? And she said that actually her little nine-year-old daughter, I believe, was attending Spalding Elementary School. And when her little girl would come home, she would talk about the exciting things she'd been learning in Bible class and how she needed to pray and read her Bible more. Well, this so impressed her mom that she ended up coming to church and joining the church, and then she became a baptized member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So education, it, it molds ties that can last for eternity. So human rights in the world today... It is a huge topic. We have looked at just two basic human rights, health and education, that are wedges to the ultimate human right, Jesus Christ. The world cares about human rights, and I suggest to you that we as humans, as Christians, should even more so. Amen? Amen. But you might be thinking to yourself, 
you know, how? How can I get involved in such issues? Human rights, or the other issues that we talked about today, ethnicity and nationalism, poverty, I mean, what can I do? In closing, let's look at an example from the Bible, and then we'll wrap up, okay? So everyone, and Elise started touching on this. It's amazing. Our minds were thinking alike. So go to Mark 6. Go to Mark 6, and we'll close on this. And when you get there, say amen. So Mark chapter 6. Please pay close attention to this because this is an awesome, awesome way of handling problems in our world today. So let's start in verse 35. You guys there? Excellent. So let's start in verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, and they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So let's pause there. We have the disciples coming to Jesus, and they notice a problem. What problem do they notice? Hunger. Hunger. These people don't have anything to eat. And so they go to Jesus and ask for his wisdom on what to do. So we are in verse 37. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? So Jesus has said, You solve the problem. You guys solve the problem. This is your deal. And when Jesus said that, they're like, What? We can't do this. So they didn't have the faith. Verse 38, But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. So Jesus here says, start with what you have. You don't need all these amazing resources. Start with what you have. Then let's jump down to verse 41. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So the disciples started with what they had. They brought it to Jesus. And what was the result? He blessed and multiplied the resources. Jesus is just awesome like that. And what was the ultimate result? Verse 42. So they all ate and were filled. Problem solved. And not just that. Verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. So here we see a problem-solving process. You notice a problem, number one. Number two, you ask for God's wisdom. Number three, start with what you have. Number four, God will bless and multiply your efforts. Number five, the problem will be solved. Isn't this awesome? Amen. Amen. So today, I know that God is calling each one of us to serve. Just as he called the disciples to serve thousand years ago. I have no idea what capacity he's calling you guys to serve individually. It could be Afghanistan, it could be Chattanooga, it could be Los Angeles. I just don't know. My prayer for each one of us today is this is that God will open our eyes to world problems, that he will bless and multiply the resources that we already have. 
and that he will use us, God's people, to combat world problems for his glory, honor, and praise here and abroad. How many of you guys want to join me in this today? How many of you guys want to take this challenge on as an Adventist young person, middle-aged person, etc.? How many here today? Excellent, excellent. So please stand with me and let's have a prayer to close this session. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for the process in Mark 6 that you just so clearly outlined there, God. There are problems in this world, and you can solve them by condescending to use us, Heavenly Father. We've just talked about a few problems today. There are so many more, God. But please, just use us in spite of us for your glory and honor. God, please fill us with the love of Jesus. May we have a burden for souls. Take out of our chest these hard hearts, Heavenly Father, and just use us to hasten your soon coming. May we not just talk about Jesus coming, talk about it, God, but please just give us the Holy Spirit impetus to do something to serve our fellow men, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.